This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. This week, we are uh, talking to one of our friends from CVSA who we've had on before. Well, folks from CVSA we've had on before, the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. Uh, however, this week, we're talking to uh, someone else from CVSG. CVSA, Jake Galvarito, who's the Director of Enforcement, uh, Director of Enforcement Programs for CVSA. Uh, Jake, welcome to your first appearance on the Ambicast. Thank you, Ian. Glad to uh, be there. Uh, so I wanted to talk to Jake this week, particularly because CVSA has just finished um, their first time doing a new initiative, the Human Trafficking Awareness Initiative. Um, and it's something that they put out some information about. They got some coverage on it. They had some jurisdiction participation. And so we wanted to talk to Jake to find out what it's all about. There's a lot of folks in the AMVA community that have been talking about human trafficking for a number of years. Um, folks on the DMV side are doing a lot of work in this space. Folks on the law enforcement side are doing a lot of work in this space. And uh, as those of you that have listened before know, CVSA space is very specific around commercial motor vehicle uh, enforcement. So let, let me start right there, Jake, which is um, why, what brought human trafficking to the point where CVSA as an organization said we should do something specific about this. Yeah, thanks Ian. Um, it came about really from the membership itself. Uh, the, I would say uh, the person that really was leading the cause was uh, former uh, chief of uh, Iowa Commercial Vehicle Enforcement, uh, Dave Lorenzen, um, was a big uh, uh, proponent of developing a, a program as we have it up set up today. Uh, Dave uh, was actively involved with uh, human trafficking, working with truckers against trafficking in Iowa. And actually, Iowa created what they call, actually called now the Iowa model of uh, for law enforcement training to uh, best practices and how to address human trafficking as it relates to in the commercial vehicle arena. Uh, transportation side of the shop. So um, Iowa was, uh, it really has been quite involved with it, but we also have, um, there was a quad state initiative that is currently active with Michigan, Illinois, uh, Indiana, and Ohio as well. And again, the, the idea was to bring it to the membership. Originally, the, the program was called the Human Trafficking Enforcement Program, but that really was a misnomer because really what we're trying to do is human tra trafficking prevention. So in the 2021 uh, annual conference that we had in uh, Delaware, uh, the recommendation was made to change the name of the, the program to Human Trafficking Prevention Program. And it really that's what our focus is, is uh, doing prevention and educating law enforcement in the commercial industry, commercial vehicle industry about what, what they see, how they can provide training to their drivers, how we provide training for law enforcement and such. So 
you know, you mentioned the fact that this uh, has grown organically around some other activities that particularly the trucking industry has already been been active in. For, for those, we have a lot of listeners that come from all backgrounds and some may be less familiar. Could you help me educate them on why we see such a nexus and those trends we see in terms of human trafficking and, and trucking? I think there's, you know, a lot of assumptions made around human trafficking, what it is, what it isn't, what it means. But there we've learned that there's a lot of overlap with human trafficking and trucking and using transportation in, in human trafficking. It is uh, for from a human trafficking standpoint. Uh, you know, the U.S. is made up a lot of highways and byways, interstate system. We're a very mobile um, population, and it's very easy to, uh, unfortunately, to uh, for traffickers to move their victims um, on the interstate system, state highways, U.S. systems. Um, but also, they've also where they've used them is uh, you'll see them at truck stops, and that's not to say all truckers are involved with it, but that's where certain part of their um, the traffickers will focus on, or it's uh, just using the rest areas. Uh, traffickers have to stop. Uh, one of the things with uh, truckers against trafficking was is basically training drivers to observe indicators of human trafficking, like whether they saw it at a truck stop or they saw it on a highway um, at a rest area and stuff and be able to contact somebody and let them know. And hopefully law enforcement can get there to investigate and uh, check into the situation. So uh, it's very mobile. Uh, again, we're such a very mobile population, and the, the ease that you can go down an interstate and move from state to state, it's uh, its not something that is just stationary. It's a very transitory type of a crime, uh, and, and it's very easy to move victims. Yeah, and you know, I think what you said, there's a point of clarification, it's not to suggest that truckers and truck drivers are a disproportionate amount of trafficking offenders, it's that truck drivers are an opportunity for, they're a force multiplier because they're out there, they're on the roads, they're at the rest stops. They could see into people's vehicles when they're driving by. And there might be things that if we can expand those eyes that are knowledgeable of what to look for, it becomes a force multiplier to prevent trafficking. Absolutely. And it, it's not, and uh, one of the things I think the, the advantage that Truckers Against Trafficking have also done is they've developed programs not only for the long haul drivers, but they also have done it for um, the bus transit drivers. And they've also designed a program for the, the uh, local haulers. Because in a lot of cases, those drivers actually can get into a community or neighborhood and really are unassuming. They're just part of that environment where, you know, if a law enforcement officer was to drive through, well, everybody can be somewhat alerted on that. We're a local driver doing just local deliveries. I mean, you look at all the, everything that we buy now that comes to our house, they have that ability to see some of that and pass that information on. Um, so it's, uh, there, like you said, is, is a great example is there are a false multiplier for us. Law enforcement just can't be there. Uh, every day, uh, day in, day out. Um, you've seen uh, we're just uh, right now, uh, post-COVID, uh, law enforcement, certainly their numbers are down and, and law enforcement has their own challenges. So to have those commercial drivers out there to be eyes and ears for us and to help in this endeavor is uh, very important. So how does that messaging around 
with the truck drivers and the bus drivers, it's about learning what those indicators are and reporting it to law enforcement. How does that messaging shift as you now then are communicating and educating directly to your members, the actual law enforcement officers, uh, what, what becomes the focus there around human trafficking? A lot of it, Ian, is really just the, the education. You know, I know when I first took the training from them previously in my previous career, um, after I sat back and could think over the course of my career, probably two incidents where I probably saw some examples or at least indicators of human trafficking. And I think the training that, that is being conducted now that is supported by TAT um, is really opening officers' eyes. And that's really where we came from the standpoint of the Human Trafficking Awareness Initiative was to really draw attention to law enforcement, our membership to think about it. And again, it, it is an enforcement program, but it's an awareness. So it's really making them aware, you know, when you're out doing an inspection or you're stopping at a way station or you're stopping at a rest area or a truck stop of what to be looking out for. The other thing is your victims um, are really exposed to different sets of trauma. And so when you talk to them, training the officers, giving them tips about how to interact with the victims, because very much like uh, domestic violence, the victims go through a lot of trauma. So it's kind of educating the officers of when talking to the victim, understanding what they're going through and the reactions, what you may think would be a typical reaction may not be the case because of what the what they've been exposed to. So it's really to try to have the officers ha uh, be uh, empathetic about what their um, their victims are going through and, and understanding that you may not be able, you may have a victim and not be able to get that victim out of that scenario right the first time. And uh, um, Kyle Lanier, who's the deputy director at uh, TAT, has talked about, you know, it takes time and officers four or five, six times before they're able to get a victim out of a scenario or situation. So, again, it's uh, we provide training uh, with our membership, particularly for the law enforcement side of the community. There is uh, videos to, and with um, uh, information from victim. Uh, that's gone through this situation. We provide indicators, uh, documentation on how to look for certain indicators on, on the road and just how to work with victims or how to talk to victims and understand what they're going through and what to expect. So how did how'd your members take to the campaign? A lot of folks uh, engage, you get some feedback. How was that I, conducted? I think in the first year, uh, we were very happy. Uh, I think the, the, the membership was very engaged from the standpoint of when we rolled this out, we weren't sure what necessarily what the response. And again, we're still somewhat going post-COVID, having to respond to what's available for personnel, um, some jurisdiction like our counterparts in Canada, they certainly are somewhat, um, were restricted as to what they could do um, for efforts. Um, and even with Mexico is what they could participate. But all in all, the, the participation we had, we thought was a phenomenal success to the point of the feedback that we did get back from the jurisdictions is we had originally planned it as a three-day event for each month for each country. And the response back uh, during our our workshop this uh, past spring in Bellevue, Washington, was we want to expand it to five days, go 
go a whole week. And that was to help facilitate scheduling and to have more per personnel participate and such. So, I mean, it was a very positive response from the membership in that regard. And what um, besides expanding the the length next time around, any other lessons learned that might make you adjust how you how you approach it next year? Um, at this point, no. I think uh, you know the materials. Uh, one of the things we did this year in as part of the ramp up to this event, uh, uh, we did a do a webinar. So the members, particularly like your AMBA members that are part of the CBSA, can see that we did a webinar to kind of talk about the the event um, prior to the start in January. We did that in December. Um, we've actually um, uh, enhanced uh, the CVSA website uh, as well for uh, um, human traffic awareness in general. There's a, a specific tab with access to the resources that is available for both law enforcement and then another section for industry. Um, there's videos for both sectors. And uh, we've enhanced that. Uh, we actually, uh, in support of Truckers Against Trafficking, we had a link on our website that anybody that was interested to get um, driver's wallet cards with information on human trafficking, as well as the window sticker that drivers can put on the, their vehicles um, that gives a number that they can contact if they see uh, think they've seen indicators of human traffic and those they can order through CVSA and we directly channel that right to TAP so that it can fulfill the orders, making it easier to get access to those type of materials. So um, I think we're in a good uh, place starting moving forward. I think the, the five days um, really will be a, an opportunity again to expand upon it. But one of the things we also do as part of our activities, uh, as you're familiar, we have like road check every year. That's an international road check. We also do uh, uh, Operation Safe Driver, excuse me. Um, that will be in July. And one of the things we do is we incorporate that uh, data elements of human trafficking just to keep that again in the forefront of our inspectors and officers and troopers on the roads, minds about just keeping an eye out for that. And again, it's just reinforcing that. And again, it's really just providing additional education um, and having those resources available. And but like I said, in, for where we started with the program to where we are, I think it would, it's been a, a huge success. And generally speaking, is one of those success indicators been uh, more incidents being reported, more leads being followed up on? Uh, is there a way to track that, or is that a sophistication that maybe we uh, don't have in in place yet to know? You know that. The actionable results of the awareness. I think for us, the, the what's measurable to us is the participation um, right now. Uh, as you indicated, you know, the tracking of incident stuff can vary from district to district or jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So that is a little bit of a challenge. Um, and it was one that's not just for CBSA. I know and having conversation with truckers against trafficking of just looking for state to state. Um, each agency or each uh, jurisdiction may track that type of information differently and may not have it holistically at a statewide type of basis as well. It could be just specific organizations. So we're not there from that statistical data collection, but I think overall uh, we're in very good shape. Um, and just in the educational component, I think that's really, we still, that's the biggest part of what we need to do. Yeah. 
And that educational part, I, I would imagine, even though obviously your membership is focused on um, mix-app trained officers that are in that large truck and bus space, I would imagine the vast majority, if not all, of those educational and training products would be just as applicable for any type of law enforcement officer at not only mix-app and non-mix-app, but state, city, local, county sheriffs, that it would be a kind of a universal approach to training for those human trafficking indicators. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're seeing that in a number of our jurisdictions that our members of CBSA have both not only the commercial motor vehicle component, but the general policing component as well. So that you may have a mixture of those officers that sit in on those type of trainings that uh, is provided by uh, Truckers Against Traffic and and have access to those materials that hand to their membership as well. Now, a lot of these materials that you've mentioned a few times, it's a lot about awareness of human trafficking indicators. That's a phrase that keeps coming mm-hmm. up. Now, obviously, you know, uh, folks listening to this episode have all sorts of backgrounds and roles, but I think we're going into this uh, summer travel season. Uh, folks are going to be out and about, especially I think this summer, folks are more, you know, anxious than ever to, to, to get out and go places. And for those of us that can afford to put gas in the car, might be doing road trips. <laughs> mm-hmm. What what are some of the more general indicators that maybe we can share and talk about that anybody going to a rest stop, anybody you know that's on the road might view the world differently? And I don't I don't do this to kind of scare people or put the fear of you know being out there, but I think it gives an opportunity for us all, not unlike being a force multiplier with truck and bus drivers, anybody can do their part to maybe be looking out for somebody. You know, I think some of the things you'll see, like if you were at rest areas, is a lot of the victims. Are they appropriately dressed for the weather or the situation? You know, I mean, we as parents, um, you know, you have your kids, you know what the kind of, what kids dress up nowadays or even young adults and such and, and it can even be older adults in scenarios um but it's you know do they seem like they have any money or do, are they relying on somebody else to pay i mean uh, the trafficker usually the person's controlling that has the has the money has their identification things like that so it's you know when you're in a rest area does this um, you know looking at the uh, for indicators like that is, you know, does it, does it look reasonable? Um, you know, I know one trucker at one case, uh, had seen in a rest area, there was a, a mobile home traffickers were moving the victims in a mobile home and the curtains were all drawn. Well, I mean, you drive down the highway. Most of the time when we look in the RVs, the windows are wide open. You don't see the drapes drawn and stuff. Um, and, or, you know, see you signaling. Uh, one of the things that, we saw just recently this past year was uh, kind of the phenomenon on YouTube about giving the, the hand signal. Uh, I don't know if you'd seen that uh, where it's, it's an open palm. You put, bring your thumb in and then you hand over that. And that was one where a, a young, uh, uh, young lady was, had been kidnapped and signaled that out the side of her car window and a astute, motorists saw it and called the law enforcement law enforcement were able to intervene and and uh recover her so you know those are things that you see you know those are the types of things that uh, from the general public you'd have that ability to kind of notice 
And I think, you know, it's obviously there is, it's true that it's a disproportional population of young women that are often human trafficking, but it's not, it's not limited to that by any means. No, no. I mean, it's really can be, but you're right. I mean, we tend to see it's more disproportionate to, um, to females at this point. And I think the piece you're saying about, you know, the trafficker controlling them, it's, you know, are they, obviously if it's a, a child or obviously a parent or a supervising adult would be controlling their money and identification and all that, that makes sense. But you go, is this part, this person seems to be old enough that they should have a little more independence than what seems to be going on here. Right. Right. It's it. And again, uh, traffic, human trafficking is, is very similar to domestic violence where the perpetrator is a very controlling type mm-hmm. of an individual. And, and, you know, who doesn't want you talking to other people, doesn't want the, you to be involved, kind of keep you in close, uh, kind of very, you know, a, the term almost kind of keep you on a tight leash. Yeah. And I think another misconception is that often people are trafficked into the country from out of the country. And there is just as much domestic trafficking, I guess, as there is international. Would that be the right phrase to refer to it? Yeah. um, And definitely, I think it's, uh, in quite frankly, it's not just in the U.S. It's worldwide. It's probably one of the, 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 one of, if not the um, largest uh, crime that we currently see. I think it's considered one of the number one crimes internationally as well. Um, One area where you do see some confusion when we try to uh, educate the public. So I've had an opportunity to speak um, in other forums and for the general public is there's, is a somewhat of a confusion about human trafficking versus human smuggling where you think, you think some people talk about when you're trying to talk about the victims of human traffic. And in, and in, in a lot of cases, you also have that same scenario, but there is some, some nuances or differences with human smuggling where people are trying to come across the border into the U.S. And so when people hear human traffic, and there's certainly, there, that's an area probably where, again, to continue to educate the public in that regard of, you know, there is a difference what's human traffic. And um, typically it's focused on sexual, sex type related trafficking or economic, um, where your human smuggling in a lot of cases is just trying to get people from one place to another to get in. in, And what we see normally in in the States is coming from Mexico or for coming from Canada into the U.S. And in in that case, the the human smuggling is where an individual wants to be taken and somebody is trying to illegally facilitate their movement for them. Where, like you said, the human trafficking is really against their will. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think the the, the last piece, Jake, you know, is we've heard from a number number of AMVA members, obviously on the law enforcement side, you're very consistent with the work you've been doing. We also have on the DMV side of the house where there are many jurisdictions that have worked to train their workforce, particularly the counter folks, the folks in front of the counter, to look for those indicators as well. Because again, that's a place where sometimes we see the traffickers bringing those individuals through to get whatever credentials they want them to have. Uh, but like you said, are they're, they're controlling the process. And so we've been trying to work to get some of the front counter folks, if you will, to 
um, be more in tune just as you are the officers. Do you think some of the materials CBSA has developed could be valuable to some of our DMV administrators? I think so. And I would even say that, uh, you know, Truckers Against Traffic, and we've talked about because it is a collaborative effort we've had. They've been really the lead uh, group that we've worked with to help develop our curriculums and get the word out. They have materials, too. Um, again, we talk about, you know, wallet cards and uh, window stickers, um, having posters available as well. And, you know, in in the case of the, those, what we're hearing, and again, this is our law enforcement members also saying is, you know, they're posting, putting the postcards and the wallet cards and the stickers at rest areas. And uh, one of the locations has been very productive. I think Nevada was the one that I mentioned is putting um, the post uh, posters in the bathrooms. Uh, and also in some cases when your victims, your trafficker may be one gender and your victims another gender don't have that exposure or exactly. Or, you know, they say, you know, some somewhat effects so effective that they're being defaced. So, you know, you're having an impact on on traffickers if they're they're going out of their way to deface uh, the posters and such. And again, law enforcement, the members are like, that's good for us. We'll just put new ones up at, as long as we're getting the word out. Um, so again, for your membership, you know, for your um, obviously having those materials. And again, thinking about it, if you, you have the opportunity to put postcard, uh, the posters up, putting them in the bathrooms um, is, is an opportunity, um, you know, it's, as it's a good good way to get the message out and that's one of the things again is to continue to to make people aware and get that message out excellent well jake i appreciate you spending some time with us to to chat about it and chat about the cvsa initiative well it's uh, been great to see you great to reconnect for those of you who don't well most of you listening don't know jake and i have known each other we were figuring before we press the record button it's been about 20 years going back to my days working at the vermont agency of transportation um which is uh where Jake was for, for many years uh, doing enforcement before joining CVSA. And so it's been been great to see him, though we're seeing each other virtually, still great to, to reconnect. It is good to connect. Well, Jake, thanks for the time this week. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire, Jeffrey, and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast. Hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.